Good morning. So, uh, have you ever had someone walk up to you and uh, they say to you, not much anymore, huh? Why? Because everybody carries one of those rectangular things in their pocket nowadays. But it used to be, do you have the time? Do you have the time? Today we're going to look at time. And we're going to look at how is, how is this supposed to fit within the ebb and flow of, of our lives when we, we, we always have a lack of time. Most, if I just had the time. We'll get together sometime, but it will be maybe a little while because we're super busy. When you think about rest, what do you think of, what do you picture in your head? Which were the four? <laughs> Maybe that should have been rhetorical. <laughs> Staying under the covers? Sure. How about sitting beside a river with a fishing rod? Chance? Yes. How about a Sunday afternoon nap? Oh, you guys. Yeah, no, no the, the gals are like, nope. <laughs> sitting on a beach in a tropical place? Yeah, yeah. Mitch is all in on that one. Good. We have, so we, we think about rest, and we have some pictures that are kind of in our mind when we think about rest, because rest has this kind of connotation of, this is what I do when I'm not super busy. And so, have you ever thought about what it means to rest for God? So you've thought about what it means to rest for you. What does it mean to rest if you were God? Do, do, if you're God, do you need to rest? Not necessarily, huh? Because God is all-powerful, and he doesn't need his batteries charged. He, he charges our batteries, but he does not need his batteries charged. And then the question, do we understand what it means to rest in God? If I said, you know, we just need to rest in God, what does that mean to you? Do we understand that? Does, does it make sense to us that we, we would rest in him? Turns out that the scripture talks about a time when God rested. And this is not going to be very unfamiliar to you because it is in the very first book. And so as we read in Genesis, we see this picture of God after this amazing creation and, and doing all of these things. He does what we've been talking about, which is he rested. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So God had all of this creating done, and, and I'm, I'm sure you've done this before too. I know uh, several people who, I, who I've been kind of talking to in the last, oh, in a couple months even too, just the idea that, that we like to accomplish something and kind of just finish it, and then, then after you're done finishing it, what do you like to do? Well, you rest. Okay, rest, and you kind of just like to admire it. Like, this is it. You, you build something, and then you, you admire it. Uh, Daryl, over here, can we on him? Log cabin. Well, kudos to you. Wow. So, so much work. And as he finished his log cabin, and finish is a real nebulous term when you're finishing home, because what really is actually finished? Usually there's a few things here, and they're going to think he's there. But when you finished it, Daryl, did you ever go back and just go, wow, there it is. Lisa, did you ever say, there it is? <laughs> <laughs> to yourself. There is a sense in which God looked at his creation and said, not only am I going to rest, but I am going to just be enthralled by this amazing creation. He said, it is good so many times. 
it is good. It is good. So as God rests, and we see this picture of, of God's his, his creation and how beautiful it is, we see also in Exodus 20 this remembering of the Sabbath and the seventh day that God rested. And so he, uh, God wrote to his people, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the, made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the, the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God allowed this time period of creation and, and each step of that creation was beautiful and it built upon itself. And then he commands his people to look back at when that happened. E even at a time when they just, they would realize that, man, this is, this, this is where we came from. This is actually our Adam and Eve. This is our origins. And he said, I want you to remember the seventh day, the Sabbath. And the Sabbath commandment is for uh, the, his, God's people. And this commandment, I want you to think of it maybe, maybe differently than you've ever thought about it before. When I was growing up, the Sabbath commandment was a list, was one thing on a list of to-dos. Have you, have you ever seen a list of to-dos in a, in, a, in a church or a religious sense? It's things that you need to do in order to kind of comply with the rules of the game. And Sabbath was one of those things. But I want you to, to, to go ahead and tip that over today, thinking about it in, in a different way. What is the Sabbath wasn't a rule so much as an ebb and flow of life and a break from that ebb and flow of life that allowed us to recharge our batteries? What if it wasn't something that was a, hey, you can't do this. It's a, you get to do this whether it's sitting at the side of a river stream and fishing and resting, or whether it's on a tropical beach and resting, resting to us is attractive, isn't it? What if your boss said to you, tell you what, you will take a day off. What would you say to them? Bye. 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 And you're picking this one. Well, God has told us, you're going to take a day off to recharge your batteries. Whether it's the seventh year and, and, and it's fields that we're letting rest or whether it is some other form of rest, God says, you know what? You were not made like I was. You're going to need some recharging and it's a blessing. And so the Sabbath is not, not on a list of things to do, but it is on a list of things that we would look forward to doing. This is what God is. Our boss has allowed us to do. God is our boss. He said, you know what? Here's how you're going to function best. I made you, I, I tuned the carburetor. Guess what? You need to do something that rejuvenates you. You need to do something different than the seven day. Think of when, where this is written, Exodus 31. What are they coming out of? Who is he writing to and what do they come out of? Context, everything's, everything has to be in context. Where are they coming out of? Exodus means, it's an exit sign, right? They're leaving where? Egypt? And what were they doing in Egypt? Basking on the side of a, a river be or a beach or a stream? No, they were slaves. How many days a week? Ah, boom. God says, nope, not anymore. 
Not only am I going to lead you out of slavery, but I'm going to give you some, some rules that will be a blessing to you because you're kind of stuck in this thing. You're kind of stuck in this, this seven-day-a-week thing. And so God was going to establish this right away. It was to be a sign uh, in a, a relationship with God. It was a Mosaic law. The Mosaic law was, was a covenantal law that went both ways. If you obey, then I will bless you. Unlike, uh, pick Abrahamic. That was, he put him to sleep, and so the, it was a unilateral thing. This was, if you obey me, there's going to be blessing. He also told them not to eat certain foods. And you look at the, you look at the Israelites, and you're like, why did God, just, why, did he, why was he such a killjoy on not letting them eat certain foods? And when someone was sick, he'd make him go and be by themselves and go to your room kind of a thing outside the camp. And why did he do that? To bless them. To bless them, right? Because eating certain foods when you don't have refrigeration doesn't work out very well. I'm sure all of you have had some GI issues at time. You ate some, that pepperoni pizza the next morning, and then you realize, no, that's not supposed to happen. Or you realize that there is, this, there is a perspective that God just protects us, and the rules that he came up with for his people were actually him seeing in advance what would be a blessing to them. This is included. This is a sign, and it is a covenantal blessing. If, if you will do this, you will be blessed. You will, you will experience blessing. So God says, obey the Sabbath. Uh, and what he's saying there is, I have a plan for you that is way, way better than anything else. Okay, for those of you who are online, this is the only way you can see it because of the glare. There we go. Numbers 15. While the Israelites were in the wilderness, a man was found gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly, and they kept him in custody because it was not clear what should be done with him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man must die. The whole assembly must stone him outside the camp. So the assembly took him outside the camp and stoned him to death as the Lord commanded Moses. Was God serious about this? He was pretty serious. And uh, you can die one way or you can die another way, but God was going to allow his people to experience blessing by giving them some parameters to live within. Have you ever seen someone who's just totally... They, they've owned their own business for 40, 50 years. They've never taken a day off. What do they look like? They're pretty haggard, aren't they? And so you see God's blessing in protecting us and in some ways preserving our life. He's preserving his life by putting some parameters in place. So we come upon the story that we are actually on in our trek through Mark and it's Mark, the second part of, uh, the last part of Mark 2 and the beginning of Mark 3. And those two uh, little sections go together pretty nicely. So we're just going to look at those together. What is this Sabbath day that God is so, so, he is so serious about that he's like, don't, don't break this. Don't, don't do this. So one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain and the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what, what David did when he, uh, he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some, of, some, of his, some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. 
So what was happening is the disciples were walking through the grain fields, and, and they were hungry. And so what did they do, according to this passage? They picked a little grain. Have you ever done that? Gone through someone else's garden, picked out a few things, choice, whatever it was, whatever was ripe. Well, they were hungry. They were traveling, and they're, they're traveling machines. Think about going, you, you think, yeah, I'd, I'd, love to follow, I'd love to follow Jesus. I would love to be in Jesus' day, to watch him and to see him and be right beside him. That also includes huffing it almost everywhere you go, long, long. And so they're hungry, and they're going through the grain fields. And so as they are going through the grain fields, they pick out some heads of grain, and they eat them. Is it wrong or is it not wrong? According to the Pharisees, it's wrong. According to Deuteronomy, as long as you don't have a Sith, something that cuts it, you're not, harv- you're not, you're not out there for the, for, the, for the actual job of harvesting, you can pick it with your hands. It was allowed. They didn't say that. They were accusing Jesus. They were trying to find him at fault. And so they, they bent the law and made it say what it didn't say for the sake of it. The issue really wasn't how they got the grain and that they got the grain. It was because they were doing it on what day? Sabbath. Which is what day of the week? Careful. I hear last Saturday, right? Saturday. So yesterday. It was yesterday. So you see this, these, these, these disciples are hungry. They're picking the grain. Deuteronomy says it's okay as long as you're not out there as your job. And so they eat the grain. And, the, and the, the Pharisees say, hey, foul. Over here, foul. These guys did it wrong. They were working on the Sabbath, which is wrong. But they weren't working. They were just picking heads of grain, which Deuteronomy allowed them to do. So we see here that just as Jesus is dealing with these Pharisees, they have this, this issue. They really want to catch Jesus at a, on, a, on some account. And so um, the unlawfulness is really actually uh, a false accusation. And then Jesus went on, and he, said, he used an example of David when he was kind of in his running years. And when David was in his running years, he actually ate some of the bread that was supposed to be the priest's. And there was, there was no ramifications from that. God didn't just, he didn't just strike David, David to, the, uh, to the ground. And so Jesus brings up this point that even David ate the consecrated bread when he was hungry in a situation. And one of the things that we see is we see all the passages about Jesus healing on the Sabbath. And boy, are there a bunch of them. Um, and just a little side note, John says that if everything was written in this book, you couldn't even contain it in the whole world. Uh, it is my, just my, just my musing kind of estimate, could be wrong, but I think there was a lot more healings than that were recorded in the Bible. I think Jesus healed a lot more people. I think the reason why some of these got written down was because they happened on what day? And it was a real confrontation. And when you see a confrontation between two people, it's pretty memorable, isn't it? And so these disciples or these apostles who are writing this, and in this case, Mark is like, you know what? this happened and this went down and it went down on the Sabbath and that was why it was so important and why the Pharisees took issue with what Jesus was doing. So as we look at the last part, then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for men, not man for the Sabbath. And what does that mean? And what is this whole rest thing? And, and God, God, what does it mean to go, for God to rest? And what does it mean to, for you to rest? And what does it mean for you to rest in God? And then you look at this whole thing about 
What is this? Sabbath was made for man? What do you mean the Sabbath was made for man? Not man for the Sabbath. Which is more important to God? Ultimately, his people are. Is the Sabbath important to God? Oh, absolutely. You could be struck down for breaking that law. But there was an importance level here. And what Jesus was pointing to is this. People are more important than rules. Now, is that just freeing to you? Or I was raised in the church where rules were paramount. That's where it was. Here, if you follow these rules, this meant that you were a good Christian. And if you didn't follow the rules very good, then you were not such a good Christian. And so the idea that rules kind of encompass Christianity, Jesus is right in the face of that saying, you know what? Man, man, man is more important. The Sabbath was made for man in priority. Then we move into Mark 3, and we see another healing on, this, on, this, on a Sabbath. It says, another time, Jesus, this is why I'm kind of thinking this, another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Now, just question before we move forward. Why would Jesus say, stand up in front of everyone? What if I said, hey, you newcomer, come up front here and, and stand. First of all, would that do much? Would he come back or she come back if she was in it? No, she wouldn't. Wouldn't she? But Jesus said, come to the front here. Why did he do that? Yeah, he wanted everyone front and center. This is, this is what's going to happen. He's in the synagogue, and it's on what day? Oh, wow. Audacious would the word be the best word I can get. Jesus is, is going for it. He's like, you know what, you, this needs to be clarified. What's most important? People are more important. And so as we read on, then, the, then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? Now, how would you answer that question if Jesus asked you that? What if you're about to point the finger at Jesus and say, you're not going to heal this man right on the Sabbath, right in front of all of us, are you? And Jesus says to, to you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil. And they said what? Nothing. They remained silent. Jesus was, was just going to go and face them directly and allow them to kind of see their hypocrisy and their evil intent. He looked around them and in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. What a great interaction. This man had a physical need, and, and God is the healer, and so Jesus just heals him right on the spot, and he didn't wait until the next day. So the, here's what the Pharisees and the, the Jewish leaders would always say. You can wait unless it's life-threatening. You just wait till the next day. Never heal on the Sabbath if, if, there, if you can help someone, only if it's life-threatening. So I guess like CPR would be okay on, on the Sabbath, but pretty much anything else, not so much. A withered hand, it had been withered for a while, right? Could it, wait till, could it wait till Sunday or Monday or Tuesday? It could have, but Jesus chose to bring him up front and say, you know what? People are more important to me than rules are. These rules are to bless people. That's what they're for. That's why the Sabbath is made for man. It is for our blessing. <laughs> it's not the other way around. 
So here are some of the Pharisees' Sabbath restrictions. I just want you to be kind of aware of. So what happened was is God gave them the Genesis and Deuteronomy, and he gave them these commands to, to honor the Lord and the Sabbath, just like we read. And then they just took that and just kind of went wild with it. Okay, so in order to kind of live up to those commandments, they come up with all these little jot and tittle types of things. And here are some of the things that were just a kind of smattering of some of the things that you couldn't do Riding, racing, and tearing, conducting business transactions, shopping, cooking, baking, or kindling a fire, gardening, doing laundry. That's a good one to remember. And then also carrying anything more than six feet in a public area, moving anything with your hand, even indirectly, as if with a broom, a broken bowl, flowers in a vase, candles on a table, raw food, a rock, a button that has fallen off. You can move things with your elbow or your breath, but not with your hand. I have found this to be super helpful in youth group. I have seen things fly without even having anyone have a hand at all towards other people with just simply, <sighs> exhaling. <laughs> so a lot of things you can do. All for the purpose of what? Do those things bring you closer to God? Not necessarily, do they? Now, if you're going to do, if you're not going to take the time to take a Sabbath and be rejuvenated, then those, those rules make sense. But the rules were taken to the nth degree. And those rules were never something that God actually said. Man took those and just made them into hundreds of, of rules that didn't really uh, conform to what God originally intended. Sabbath, what does it mean? What's the word? Well, it comes from Shabbat, which means rest in Hebrew. On the seventh day, that meant from Friday at sunset. So that's when, you know, you get off work on Friday. If you're like, it's five o'clock, it turns sunset about six right now. So from 6 p.m. on Friday, when you get off work until last night, about the time the sun goes down, that was Sabbath, okay? And that was a time that they would rest. And Exodus 20 says, remember the Sabbath. Deuteronomy says, observe the Sabbath. And there's, so this, there's this honoring of the Sabbath is the idea that's behind that. The question is this, can we do acts of kindness on the Sabbath. Is that really, really clear by Jesus' example? Very clear. And so is, is the Sabbath for us today? You're going to walk home today and you're going, I'm not even sure if I was supposed to be there. Was that really even for me? We are not obligated to the Sabbath to take Saturday. But when God did the seventh day, when he rested on the seventh day, that was way before the law, wasn't it? It's a pattern. And so even though we would probably say that Sunday is our Sabbath, we, we realize that every day, every day is a day that we honor the Lord. We just pick one to kind of just be our Sabbath. So say you work all day on Sunday because you have a job that requires you to work on, on Sunday because you're just like the, Egypt, or the people who were in Egypt for a while. Bummer. So, guess what? Be flexible. Be flexible. But allow yourself to be rejuvenated by taking the time on another, at another time. It doesn't have to have to be from this time to this time. But it needs to be that way. Because we really can't, we can't emphasize enough how this, what we're doing here, comes from being rejuvenated. If you're all worn out, you're not any help to anyone else. 
if you don't have that inclination to actually be a blessing to someone else because you haven't been with the Lord and he hasn't had a time to communicate with you, you miss out on that time to connect with him and to allow him to direct you and guide you to bless other people. Because he wants you to bless the people around, around us. He wants us to each have, I use the word oikos. You can use it whatever you want to. It is your circle of people who you have around you. You have a relationship with them. You know them. God has put them supernaturally probably in your sphere of influence. And you are really kind of look like Jesus to, for them. Some of them don't know Jesus. Some do. The ones who don't know Jesus, you have an opportunity by re, being rejuvenated through having this time with the Lord to actually serve them and to be a display of Jesus and to be really salt and light to them. Luke 14, again, another passage. Um, in one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a promised Pharisee, uh, a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. Again, Jesus makes it very clear that his intentions were that people are more important than rules. But it is also this real true that unless we're in connection with God and we have some time to rejuvenate our spiritual lives, we won't be the people that God wants us to be. And so in through the ebb and flow of our life, we need to have times of rejuvenation. Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law. So does that mean that Jesus came and he just kiboshed the Sabbath? Are you sure? Seems like he healed a lot on the Sabbath. Seems like he was pretty active on the Sabbath. But did he kibosh the Sabbath? Did he kibosh any part of the law? Do you have certain dietary restrictions that you follow because of the Bible? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I'm not saying it's wrong or right. That's for you. But is it an obligation at this point in time? No, it's not. And we, have, we need to kind of weigh those things out. And that was all kind of worked out in Corinth and in the New Testament. We see that some people would eat meat that was offered to idols. And some people would be like, that is so against God. What, what are you doing? And so we're not to make our brother stumble or to offend anyone, but to the best of our ability, what, what our conscience has to kind of guide us in some of those areas that are a little bit less um, maybe black and white. But when it says that he has, come to a, he has not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, what does it mean for Jesus to say that I have, come, I have not come to abolish the law of the prophets, but to fulfill them? What does it mean to fulfill the prophets and those laws? Ah, he is our rest. And you're like, he is our rest. What does it mean to rest in God? That was one of the questions I asked you originally. And we're going to move into that because we have this rest that we can fall into, that we have available to us, that is a blessing to us. Would it shock you, though, for me to say that Sunday is our worship day? Would it offend you? It would some people. It would be offensive to them. Is it only on Sunday that we worship God? No. So don't go home and say, yeah, you know what? 
that's, that's a bunch of hooey because we're supposed to worship. Yeah, we are supposed to. But this is the day that we come together. And as you can see in 1 Corinthians, they did too. First day of the week, they came together. And that was part of a, a normal ebb and flow of their life, much like Saturday, the Sabbath for the Jews were. And so it's very, very similar for God's people. And so to take away time and to, to commune with God and just to allow us for him to not so much maybe even rest us from the week that, oh, I had such a hard week, I just got to take a nap. But to prepare us for what? What God has for us. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, oh, which um, in one small group, 2.8.9, Mark Mitch's, yeah. 2, 8, and 9, we talked about this grace and that idea that there's a, this grace that comes with it. Actually, Friday morning, too. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit brings things out multiple times, so both Thursday and Friday. And Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not from yourselves. And then Ephesians 2, 10 says what? For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And how do we do those good works? Out of what Out of what reservoir? Ah, that's the reservoir of rejuvenation that the Sabbath provides for us. The Sabbath is actually a preparation for really the week to come as well as kind of a restoration from the previous week, spiritually and also just energy-wise. So it's a time for us to take away from our regular vocation of life and to to do something different. So we're not going to put a bunch of clay and straw together and make a big pyramid we're going to do something different that day. And whatever your pyramid and straw thing looks like, that's, that's for you. How long is God resting? So the seventh day he rested. What then? How about the eighth day or the ninth day? Is God still resting? Is he taking a nap? It's good for us to think about this. I was like, wow. I'm going to think about that for a little while because I was like, wow, what is this? What is this going on? God made. And when he made, he immediately started this process of his work again. Adam and Eve, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. It's the garden. It's Eden, right? How many of you would love to be in the garden today? Pick me. I'm sorry about your fishing hole or the beach. I would pick Eden any day, any day. And so they were, in, they were in this Eden and they were naked and they felt no shame. Okay, so that's, we're just going to leave it right there. Genesis 3, 7 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. What happened in between those two verses? They, were, they didn't notice they were naked, and all of a sudden they noticed they're naked. What happened? Yeah, they ate the fruit. They fell. The fall of man, meaning they sinned. They didn't do what they did, what God told them not to do. And therefore, their eyes were open because of the tree of knowledge and good. So you realize, wow, here it is. They now realize there's sin all around them. And not only that, but sin is right there. Genesis 3.21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Where did he get the garments of skin? Animals. That meant animals had to do what before he could do that? They could die. And so you have this, you have this Eden where everything is in just perfect harmony and there's no death. And all of a sudden sin enters the world. And with sin, the wages of sin is what? 
death. And all of a sudden, we have to cover sin, and they notice they're naked, and God covers them with death. And we see, wow, God's work, and I don't know how many days past day seven this was, but God's work began right here and right there. As far as I can tell, if you have a better answer, great. God went back to work covering sin because it needed to be covered because his, his made in his image people were now doomed for the consequences of sin, which is death. So God has been working 24-7 times 52 weeks for about 4,000 years since the whole animal thing happened, and he had to sew those things together. And he's working even to this day. But here's what Jesus said. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. What is Jesus doing? Why is he working? What's that all about? What is this work? Well, now, later on in the book of John, that was John 5, this is 17, here's what he says. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. This is his great priestly prayer. He's got all his disciples up in the upper room, and he's going to bless them and pray for them. The hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life. This is eternal life. That they know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Finishing the work you gave me to do. Mark 2.28 says, So the Son of Man is the Lord of even the Sabbath. And Jesus finished the work, and he finished the work when he was on the, on the cross. Because that work is even working today, isn't it? For you and for me. 2,000 years about after Jesus died. And so the Lord, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath because he's, he's our Lord. And he supersedes anything and everything. And so we have uh, Jesus as the one who we rest in, as Lisa was saying. He is the one who we rest in, not ourselves. Hebrews 4.10 says this, For anyone who enters God's rest, this is God's rest, also rests from their works just as God did from his. What does that mean? For the first 19 years of my life, I worked. It was me who worked. At age 19, I suddenly, because of God's graciousness and his willingness to to send someone to share with me, come to realize that it was not my work, but Jesus' work who is actually the one who redeems me. I don't work to fulfill a bunch of things and check a bunch of boxes, and I do enough good things to outweigh the bad things in my life because that will never work, and I knew that. But that Jesus has finished the work that began way back when, when, we, when Adam and Eve sinned, and, and, and also in my own life, when I sinned, that whole process of death. Jesus came and worked to finish that. He is our rest. He is the one who we trust in. We're going to skip that one because of time. Hebrews 4, 9 to 10. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. 
We, we will never, ever come to a point in our lives where we have to help God. I was sharing with someone a couple weeks ago, maybe three, and they were parked in the camp of, they had most of, they had most of it, like they knew Jesus was part of the answer. But every time, every time that in our discussion, when, when it came to what, what do you really trust in, there's, there was this, well, you know, I, I really care about, and I try to do the best, and I, and I, and you hear that answer, and, and you realize, oh, you're, you're still trying to work for your salvation, aren't you? And that was exactly where I was. That was exactly where I was at 19. I was trying to do the best I could to help Jesus save me. Like, he needs help saving me. Isn't that just crazy that we would think so much of ourselves, that we would think, I need to help Jesus? Rather than just fall on our knees and say, I am a, I am a loser and I am unable to save myself, which I was fully aware of and when I was lucid, realizing, wow, you know what? I've messed up. I've tried so many times. Have you ever tried to do something different? Like you've been doing something, all of a sudden you try again, and you're like, and you don't even make it maybe a day. And you realize, I am hopelessly lost. Jesus is our rest. Jesus is the one who we trust in. He is the one who saves us. As I said, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is this, that for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are not saved by our works. We, we work or we do good things after we've been rejuvenated and abided with the Lord as a result of him already purchasing for us a relationship with, with God. That's how it works. We don't earn it. And then once we get this big, huge gift of salvation, and then we are, all that sin is wiped away, we go, what can I do? And he's like, could you just write me a thank you card? Because you can't possibly pay this back. And what does the thank you card look like? Well, what do you want me to do today, Lord? How do you want me to, to bless someone else? That's what it looks like. How do you want me to live my life? How do you want me to order the days of my, of my life so that I include you in them? And he might even say, you know, I want the first 15 minutes of your day. And I want you to attend, I'm going to just throw this in, I want you to attend some group during the week that talks about me and encourages you and then you encourage them. Maybe that's what he's asking you to do. But it isn't to earn salvation. It's a result of having a relationship with him that we do those things. We don't do them out of obligation. We do them to receive the blessing that he has for us. Oops. Do you have time to sow this into your week? to spend time with him in Eden in your own little quiet time, the time that you get to commune with him, to recharge and to, to be connected with him, to abide in him, to prepare your heart for the week, to find peace and energy, to plant seeds of something, to put it in motion for the week. And then the, that final question, are you in a small group for heaven's sake? And I don't mean to earn your way into heaven. I mean this, the blessings of being with God's people today are also found as we, 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 we actually commune or fellowship with other people during the week. So I encourage you, if you're not in a small group, boy, you are missing a piece of Eden. You're missing that, that place where you can find some rest, find some, maybe even some answers for some of the questions you have and find relationships that you can kind of grow together with. And do we understand what, God, uh, what it means to rest in God? I think, I think we have a better idea of how that, how that works. 
I just want to share with you, if you are here, Pastor Tri said, said this last week, maybe you, you know what, Sabbath to you is new stuff. You don't, you're just trying to figure out what this whole Christianity thing is about. What it is is this. It's a relationship between you and Jesus. And once you have entered into that relationship, you are kind of married. It's like you said, I do. And he is going to take you along on a wonderful journey. And the way that starts is kind of in the process, almost like when you say, I do, it starts with a prayer. It's a prayer of kind of commitment that I, that I do. And so if you have never, ever given your life to the Lord, I want you to, to just consider praying this. The words aren't so important. It's your heart. And then maybe talk to Pastor Tri or one of us afterwards. And if you have prayed this prayer and you are a Christian, I want you to think about all the riches that you have. Because not only do you get to enjoy God here on earth in your little Eden times, Eden times, but also we get to look forward to something that is so wonderful. So as I, as I read this, I want you to, to pray this. If you've never done it before and you feel like the Lord is calling you, Dear God, I admit I'm a sinner in need of you. Please forgive me of my sins and give me abundant life here on earth and eternal life with you in heaven. I believe Jesus died and rose again for my sins. And I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, um, and there was a man a couple weeks ago that prayed it with me, and he says, is that it? I was like, it's your heart. It's really just about your heart. And his disbelief, in disbelief, he says, that's just it. I'm just, you know, it's an I do. That's what it is. It's a beginning. And then let me close with the promise. This is a promise that God gave to his people. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What a blessing that God gives us this blessing of rest. And then he says, after I give you this blessing, if you do it, I'm just going to bless you some more. That's the God that we serve. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your rest. Not just the seventh day, but that your work to save us, to redeem us, that Jesus and you have been working to, to the day that he came unto this earth, that we would become one of your, your children. Thank you that we rest in your, uh, your work and Jesus' work on the cross, not on our own, uh, to help us to, to be gracious, uh, just grateful for that. And out of the gratefulness that we have, that we would look around us and see other people who also need your blessing and that we would be your hands and feet as we abide in you and get power from you as we spend time with you on this special time that we have set aside for you, that that would energize us, that would rejuvenate us to be the, the people that, uh, that bless the rest of the world so that they might come to know you. Uh, help us to be salt and light as we go through this week. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.